Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a belly-up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing? Doing good. Just finished watching a crazy Clippers Suns game two of the Western Conference Finals. Prior to that, was watching the Yankees, was watching the Red Sox Rays game. I was watching a lot of baseball today. Was watching Reds Twins earlier on MLB Network. And of course, how could I not uh catch a couple innings of Dodgers Padres? So yeah, uh overall a good day. We got to see Wander Franco debut and Excited to talk about it. We're going to run through all the games uh, in under 35 minutes. We are actually going to stick to this time limit because we went for 45 minutes with the guys from the Rockin' at the Jake podcast, Tom Matheny and Amari McPherson. We recapped the entire AL Central, got some great Cleveland Indians talk in there. Is That is what they specialize in, but also great talk about the other four teams in the division. So, uh, yeah, we will speed through these games. Uh, so that way we don't water down that interview too much. And uh, you guys enjoy it. We had a lot of fun with them. All right. First up, we've got the Nationals and the Phillies. 
The Nationals got off to a good start, scoring two runs in the first inning, driven in by Josh Bell and Jan Gomes. Bottom of the second saw Bryce Harper's solo piece cut the lead down to one, but Jan Gomes drives in yet another run in this game, which is able to keep them ahead after Rice Hoskins' 16th home run of the season. And your final will be 3-2 Nationals. Give the win to Max Scherzer. Mad Max went five innings, allowing two hits, one earned, and eight strikeouts. That was a very good start for him, which will be important with what we're about to talk about coming up. The loss will be Zach Wheeler. He went three innings, allowing six hits, three earned, and four strikeouts. The save goes to Brad Hand, his 16th on the season. But Brandon, I never knew this before. I never would have thought this before. But Joe Girardi's an asshole. For those of you who don't know the situation that went on today, we are now in day three of the pitcher check protocols for the new substance policy. So now every pitcher is being checked while they're in the game, when they come into the game or at some point during their time in the game, they're it's like, it's like usually as they exit the game. It's usually or, no, ex- or after the inning's over. Yeah, I think it's usually after the first inning for starters, and then after they exit the game for relievers, mm. if I'm correct. But either way, this one ended up early on within the first check, gets a very aggravated Max Scherzer, who, mind you, came up completely clean in the first one. However, we now go into the third or fourth inning where all of a sudden Joe Girardi decides to start whining. Obviously he thinks he's seen something on Max Scherzer and needs to profess to the world that it's there and basically throws a hissy fit to the umpire and goes about his, and they go out and chuck, I'm sorry, they go out and check Scherzer again. Scherzer wants none of that. He goes goes ahead, drops his glove, drops his hat, undoes his belt, and says, what more do you want from me? They go, go through him real quick. Meanwhile, he finishes the inning and gives a cold stare down to Joe Girardi in the other dugout, which then somehow prompts out of an MLB manager him to come out of the dugout and basically want Max Scherzer to go over there and fight him. What possible? What possibly could have been that bad that you were prompted to be like this, George so Rowdy? He, I guess the thing was, Scherzer touched his hat like three times in five seconds after he got checked, and Girardi's like, "All right, like." Why does he keep going to his hat if he doesn't if he doesn't have anything? Why does he keep touching his hat? Like that's where guys keep stuff. You just checked him. You said he doesn't have anything, yet he keeps touching his hat then touching the ball. Now you take a look at Max Scherzer's spin rate on the day. 
Uh, well, compared to the, his season averages, his fastball was down 130 RPMs, slider down 201, curveball down 211. And it's not just him today, LJ. There are some extreme cases of guys who clearly have been using this stuff and are no longer using it. Brad Hand, minus 200 on the slider, minus 146 on the sinker. And the biggest one, Lucas Giolito today, minus 531 RPMs on the curveball, minus 200 on the fastball. The it, it, it's We're very slowly going to find out, uh, or actually, honestly, very quickly find out which of these guys were, were using this stuff. Brandon, what, what you just read out is very relevant data across the board. However, irrelevant to this situation where it obviously was just a complete overreaction and oh, frankly, yeah, no, I kissy fit on Girardi's part. Because first off, you have to have enough respect and trust for the empires to be able to take their word for stuff. Uh, what part of the umpire's job is it to help continue cheating? What part of their job description makes it even remotely okay for them to be favoring one team? If that actually happened, there would be absolute anarchy throughout the media, throughout baseball, the whole nine yards. And so if they checked him, they're obviously going to check the, the hat. These guys are now trained on this. They're not total idiots. They know where pitchers are hiding this stuff. They would know to check the brim of the hat. So by that logic, you need to trust the word of the umpire. Like, you just, you have to be willing to take that. You can't just keep blowing up over this just because he's touching your hat. They've, they've obviously checked that get over it's not like it's something that could dramatically change in the middle of the game yeah and you know just one more thing real quick while we're on this topic uh pitchers are already getting pissed off with with getting checked and we just started this on monday like lj i don't know if you saw a sergio romo but he completely pulled his pants down to get checked like very sarcastically flips the hat off flips the glove uh undoes his belt and pulls his pants down i mean it it's a complete like the, the fact that, that that we're doing this now just it, it it's babyish on the pitcher's pitcher's part but th- this today was just completely r- ridiculous and you know i just realized it I know exactly why he's touching his hat. It's it's habitual. He's been going to his hat for a substance for so long that like he has to do it in his as a part of what he does now. I guarantee you we're gonna see just guys randomly touching their hat without having anything in it, just out of habit of what was there before. The other thing that really needs to be said here. What I should reiterate, there is under no, there's really no instance unless a brawl has already began where a manager or coach should be inciting violence with players from another team. 
Oh, well, we like, saw last year, uh, you remember the A's hitting coach yep. with, or not the A's hitting coach, the Astros hitting coach with. And Raymond Laureano. Yeah. Yeah. Completely incited that, yet it was Laureano who took the brunt of the penalty, yet it was that, it was, it was 100% that coach's incitement that got it going. And this is all over a stare. Like. Yeah. There couldn't have possibly been that much that Max Scherzer could have said in the middle of his inning to do that. Joe Girardi should serve time on this one. I do feel firm on that because... He was just yelling at him, come on. He doesn't need to get suspended. He was just yelling at him. A couple games, because if you're going to flip out on this, this shouldn't be a huge deal. I mean, the media is going to make it a huge deal that all this substance stuff is happening but it shouldn't be a drama fest on the field. The pitchers are going to make it enough of a drama fest. Don't all of a sudden start freaking out over it in the middle of a game while things are already hard enough. And then don't try to do things. It's just, it's completely unlike the leaders that these coaches are hired and supposed to be, to be doing this stuff, making things harder for them right now. Well, uh, a big surprise, uh, the a bunch of the Cincinnati Reds pitchers, their spin rates were down quite a lot. And uh, actually, it's not a surprise because Trevor Bauer uh, was teammates with all these guys. And uh, to get into this Reds-Twins game today, uh, this was the, the battle of which, which bullpen wants to suck less. And... It gets started in the top of the third with a Tucker Barnhart solo homer. Ryan Jeffers answers with a two-run bomb for the Twins in the fourth, and they take a two-to-one lead. Jesse Winker doubles, and then Eugenio Suarez singles in the fifth to make it a 4-2 Cincinnati lead. And then Kyle Farmer and Tucker Barnhart come through with run scoring plays in the eighth, and Cincinnati takes a 7-2 lead. Then in the bottom of the eighth, they allow five runs, and we are tied uh, after a Max Kepler two-run bomb, a Trevor Larnick solo shot, and an Alex Kirilov uh, two-RBI double tied at seven. But then in the top of the ninth, it is the Twins' bullpen who ends up blowing this as Tyler Naquin hits a three-run home run, and the Reds go on to win 10-7. to seven. The win to TJ and Tony. Hey, Tony. Win and the blown save, yet he allowed only one hit and no runs. Uh, the loss to Hansel Robles and the save to Amir Garrett, his fourth on the season. Next up, we've got the Red Sox and Rays and the debut of baseball's top prospect, Wander Franco. And boy, did he not disappoint, but let's get into this game first. Bottom of the first, Francisco Mejia is able to hit a ground ball to Xander Bogarts, which should be scoring no runs as it would have been the final out, but he throws it just a little offline for the second baseman to come up with it. It goes sailing past him into right field and scores two runs. This score hole until the top of the third where a J.D. Martinez double ties it up 
And then a Raphael Devers sack fly sends him home before Hunter Renfro's ninth home run, or I'm sorry, piss missile of the year makes this a 5-2 ball game. This holds until the bottom of the fifth with two runners on. Wander Franco steps up to the plate. He's hitless so far in this game. At this point, I believe he had walked and flew out to center field, and he got all of this one. Wander Franco goes yard for a three-run game-tying blast in the bottom of the fifth. The score will hold until the top of the 11th, where Rafael Devers, after one runner gets on, Rafael Devers hits a double. This scores... Um, excuse me, this scores both Connor Wong, Wong, the Red Sox top catching prospect, as well as the runner that got on just before him, Xander Bogarts. Hunter Renfro is able to score Devers, and then Kike Hernandez's sack fly makes this a 9-5 game. The Rays failed to tack anything else on, and that will be the final give the win. Brandon. The win goes to Darwinson Hernandez, who pitched the last inning in a third of this game. Eddie Rodriguez started this one. He went six innings, allowing three earned runs, five total runs with seven strikeouts. The loss goes to Pete Fairbanks, who pitched the final two innings, allowing those three earned runs in the 11th. Andrew Kittridge only made it two-thirds of an inning as the opener here before Ryan Yarbrough took two and they continued to bullpen throughout this one piece mealing together 11 innings but the line we're all waiting for here Wander Franco in four at-bats he had two hits with three RBIs a walk and no strikeouts, exactly what you'd expect from him. Among those hits included his first home run and his first double of his career, all while playing third base. Rookie Taylor Walls to his left at shortstop. Brandon, he looked really good. Startlingly good in this. Again, I was kind of in and out because of the interview with Tom and Omari and a couple other things to the game, but there wasn't anything for me not to love about this guy. From what I can tell, he's my type of player. I wasn't nearly as excited until I actually saw him work. And, you know, I shouldn't be this excited yet. I should wait until after they're not, not playing the Red Sox to be this excited for this guy. But this was far better than I was expecting for game one. Again, I know it's one game, anything can happen, but that looked really Yeah, you know, we were saying the same thing about Jared Kelenic after his first game too, you know. So uh, in terms of expectations for this this guy, I certainly think he's going to hit well to start, but, you know – he's going to get figured out at some point this year. We always see guys who come up, they start off hot. Uh, and then, and then pitchers start to figure out their, their weaknesses. MLB pitchers are so good at, you know, just hitting spot after spot over and over again. Uh, 
where you where you're not good at hitting and then that's where you really prove how 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 good of a hitter you are you know can you hit those those pitches that they're trying to get by you that they think are gonna beat you uh and we're gonna have to see with him obviously Jared Kelnick started off hot that first week or so and then just completely fell apart there uh and you know, I certainly don't think that that Franco is going to do that, but there are two players who are both very highly regarded uh, in terms of their hitting talent. You know, they're both honestly similar hitters, high contact guys with speed and also home run power. So, uh, yeah, you know, LJ also, uh, you know, we talked uh, yesterday about how would they sort of maneuver this this lineup uh I kind of forgot that that Brandon Lau can play a corner outfield spot when when need be and that's what they did tonight with him they 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 move him to right field so I still think you can get Joey Wendell and Lau and Walls and Franco at bats uh if you're creative enough with it and certainly we we know Kevin Cash uh is not uh you know, adverse to doing some weird moves around with the, the, the lineup. So he gets joy out of doing weird moves. Absolutely. And um, one last thing before we throw all the way through this, if I had to say right now, my um, expectations for Wander Franco, he doesn't have to do a ton other than just look and act like a major leaguer. Like, I think the difference here was, again, I couldn't tell this immediately in uh, Kleenex's first couple at-bats, at his first few games. However, when I was seeing him later on, you could tell the moment looked a little big at this point. The game looked a little big, which, again, it was proven. He, he couldn't get a hit. It was uh, the game was obviously a little too much for him at this point in time, but if he can consistently look like a major league player through the rest of this year, that's plenty for me to work on. Maybe what I'm thinking numbers wise, at bear, at where I'd love to see him, high high two hundreds, maybe two ninety batting average, three fifty on base. I don't care what the slugging is until at least year three for him. I mean. If you're if you're gonna sell me on the contact, if he's one of the best contact hitters we've seen in the game, then that's probably what's gonna come first. Just he he should he'll I'd love to see him just focus on getting on base and being a productive hitter and let the power come eventually whenever it happens. You don't have to be an MVP candidate their second year. All right, uh, on to the Astros and the Orioles. Houston gets it going in the second with a mile straw home run to make it one nothing. Cedric Mullins ties the game in the third with a sacrifice fly, and uh, we're tied at one. In the top of the seventh, Straw comes through with an RBI single to score Chas McCormick, and it's two to one. Then the next inning, it is Chaz McCormick with a sack fly to make it 3-1 Houston, and that's your final. The wind is Zach Granke, now 8-2 and two on the year. 
Seven and a third, five hits, one earned, and four strikeouts for him. The loss to Jorge Lopez, now two and nine on the year. Six and a third, five hits, two earned, and six Ks. And Ryan Presley with his 11th save of the season. Next up, we got the Dodgers and the Padres scoring starts with a two-run shot for Jake Cronenworth in the bottom of the first. That puts him on a bingo bango. Keep note of that. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Bottom of the fifth, Haseong Kim goes yard to make this a 3-0 game for San Diego. The Dodgers won't be able to score until the top of the eighth where they get one run from a Will Smith hit. And then an Austin Barnes homer in the ninth makes it 3-2, but that will be the final as the Dodgers fail to come back. And the Padres continue to beat away on this team with a 3-2 win. Speaking of which, give that win to Blake Snell, who goes five innings, allowing four hits, no earned runs, and five strikeouts. The loss will go to Clayton Kershaw, who went six innings, allowing four hits, three earned, and seven strikeouts. The save goes to Mark Melanson, who does allow a run in that set of time. These two teams are now both tied in the win column as San Diego continues to chip away at this Dodgers team who was a lot closer to San Francisco when they started the series than they seem to be when they finish it. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention after that Astros game, but they've now won nine in a row. Uh, San Diego's won six in a row now. And uh, yeah, certainly chasing the, the Dodgers down uh, and it's going to be a fun summer for those top three in the NL West because even if all three of those teams make the playoffs, I mean, can you imagine a one-game playoff between, like, the Giants? Dodgers and the Padres? Yeah, like, like if so – or I, I was thinking Giants and Padres or Giants and Dodgers. Like, can, can you imagine a Giants-Dodgers wild card, especially with the history that those two teams have? You see, that's the thing is like, I don't think I can pick one that I don't like, you know, I mean, Brewers, uh, Padres uh, could be a wild card game, Braves, Giants, uh, Braves, Dodgers, Mets, Giants, Mets, Padres, any kind of combination. It's, it's a very entertaining match. I, yeah, I I meant, I meant among the NL West, honestly, I think those, 
those two should be whoever two are on the bottom of that should probably be the favorites for this and from the looks of it i mean milwaukee's not in the best spot for that but my point being here i would love of course dodgers giants history the dodgers padres narrative was so good and i think overall the best story would be if the giants took the division because the whole story this entire time was even the defending champion la dodgers and then you have the new upstart young scrappy padres and these two teams are going to be duking it out for the division they're the only two teams that matter in the west or in the national league then all of a sudden you're like hold on and out of nowhere these giants come and beat both of them that just makes everything more interesting the fact that the winner of that has to go into that series yeah absolutely all right uh royals and Yankees. Uh, this one gets started. Luke Voigt, the first pitch he sees coming back from the IL, he sends into the left field bleachers. Solo home run gets the Yankees going in the bottom of the first. Kyle Higashioka in the bottom of the second. He homers, and it is two to nothing. Yankees. In the top of the third, Whit Merrifield grounds out, and that scores a run. And then Ryan O'Hearn homers off of Garrett Cole in the fourth to make it tied at two. Jump to the seventh, where we're still tied at two, and uh, Jake Brents throws a wild pitch that allows Tyler Wade to score. The Yankees take a 3-2 lead. Heading into the eighth inning, who are the Yankees going to go with out of the bullpen? Do we go with Johnny lasagna who threw 36 pitches just two days ago or do we go with zach Britton, who has not pitched in five days and just came off the il we go with johnny lasagna for our eighth <laughs> inning role proceeds to have his worst outing of the season two-thirds of an inning five hits four earned runs and the yankees uh lose the lead very quickly uh those runs come on a ryan o'hearn single gerard dyson fielder's choice thanks to tyler wade getting a routine double play ball hit right to him and choosing to then try to get the runner at home which was a tag play so if you wanted to turn two outs you'd have to tag the runner at home then also throw the ball back to first when you could have just thrown it to second and then thrown it to first for the easiest double play ever, but instead we get this double clutch BS out of Tyler Wade, who is the worst hitter in the league. You cannot tell me that he's not because we literally bring him in and then pinch hit him because bring, we- bring, 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 bring. Yes. Um, I believe Jeff Mathis is on the line for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Jeff, Jeff Mathis. Yeah. Uh, Cur- current, currently flexing between triple a and the majors for the atlanta braves well it's six three royals after the eighth in the or after the top of the eighth in the bottom of the eighth dj lemayhew hits a two-run home run to try to bring some hope to yankee fans it's six five and then in the ninth uh the yankees get a leadoff single by Gio urshela Two straight strikeouts bring up Gary Sanchez, who is the winning run. The Royals make a really interesting move where they intentionally walk the winning run on base, which 
I mean, when when it's Gary and he's at first base, I mean, sure, especially because we didn't have a pinch runner left at that. Yeah, point. yeah, but he's the base running genius. He, yeah, I mean, the other day that that was, that was the dumbest play I've ever seen. Like, uh, oh, I uh, lost uh, brain uh, cells uh, watching it. Well, uh, it doesn't matter. After Gary gets walked, Brett Gardner pops out to end the game. Kansas City wins six to five. The Yankees leave 13 runners on base they go 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position and the win goes to jake brents uh it it was brady singer who got the start three and two thirds five hits two earned runs five walks and five strikeouts the loss to jonathan lawizaga i already said his line two thirds of an inning five hits four runs garrett cole went seven innings two earned runs six k's and Greg Holland gets his fifth save on the year. All right, next up, we got the Pirates and the White Sox. Uh, it was all Pirates through the first six innings here. Adam Frazier heard Brandon talking a little smack about his power numbers and decides to send his third home run of the season out of the ballpark. Bottom of the sixth, and Brian Reynolds drives in a run with a single to make this a 2-0 game. In the top of the seventh, Yasmani Grandal is able to hit a three-run home run to give Chicago the late lead. But that wouldn't last very long as Garrett Crochet helps give up four runs here in the bottom of the seventh, including RBIs from Kevin Newman, Eric Gonzalez, and Brian Reynolds once again, the Pirates go on to win this one six to three. Give the win to David Bednar, who came in relief of Anderson for Pittsburgh. Anderson went six and two thirds, allowing three earned runs and four strikeouts. The loss and blown save goes to Garrett Crochet, allowing four earned runs with no outs recorded before Bummer had to unfortunately and disappointingly and depressingly come into the game. Lucas Giolito started this one going six innings, along four hits, two earned, and seven strikeouts. Mind you, so far, all the ones that you've directly noted here of the guys that spin rates dramatically dropped. Again, I'm sure we'll see some form of difference in numbers down the line, but so far, everybody who stopped using some form of substance has looked pretty good so far. So, like, yeah. they're still uh, good pitchers. You don't certainly need Certainly Garrett Cole. Uh, you know, Spider-Tack himself. The amazing Spider-Tack. No, it's been, like, his last, like, three starts where it's been way down. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Tack. But you can tell that he he pitches differently. Like, he's not. In as, the offseason, he becomes the friendly neighborhood Spider-Tack. No, he's still drilling for all his neighbors. He's still very good. I wonder which which Red Sox pitchers use it. Uh, we'll have to see. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's all right. Well, uh, Adam Adovino probably grabbed, picked it up while he was in New York. Eh, Spread it through uh, the rest of the. Uh, maybe he'll be able to get a lefty out. Uh, <laughs> <he's dead. laughs> all right, Cardinals and Tigers. Uh, this one doesn't get going until the fourth inning where the Tigers put up a sixth spot. Nomar Mazzara uh, 
he gets on on a fielder's choice. There's an error that scores a run, and it's one nothing. Jake Rogers then with a two RBI double to make it three nothing, and then Jonathan Scope with a three run bomb, and it's six nothing Tigers. Top five, the Cardinals get two runs, most notably from a Paul Goldschmidt single. But then in the bottom of the fifth, the Tigers extend the lead with a Harold Castro sack bunt that scores a run, and then a Jake Rogers triple. The Tigers go on to win eight to two. The the win to Kyle Funkhauser out of the bullpen. Tariq Skubal almost got the win. Would he just needed one more out, unable to get it. Four and two thirds, four hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts. The loss to Johan Oviedo for the Cardinals, three and two thirds, six hits. Uh, out of those six runs he allowed, only two were earned, and uh, he strikes out one. Next up, we got the Braves and the Mets, and this one came down to one swing. Dansby Swanson with two runners on sends a ball to the moon, his 12th home run of the year. It puts the Braves up three, nothing in the third. They'll hold on to that lead and win at that same score. Give that win to Charlie Morton who went seven innings of one hit ball. Of course, no earned runs and a lot in 11 strikeouts. The loss will go to recently recalled from the minors. Yancy Diaz, he went two innings in this one, allowing three earned after Stroman pitched one inning. And the save goes to Will Smith, his 15th of the year. The A's and the Rangers, this was your free game on YouTube. And most people turn it off after the first three innings as Oakland took a 9-0 lead. Uh, Matt Chapman homers in the first. Elvis Andrews singles. Uh, Ramon Laureano homers in the second, and then Mark Cano with a single in the third to make it nine to nothing. The Rangers score four in the fifth, though. They get two doubles from Willie Calhoun and Charlie Culberson, an Eli White RBI single, and then an Adelise Garcia RBI single, and it's nine four. Eli White and Joey Gallo both homer to pull the Rangers within three at one point and nine to six, but the A's pull away Jed, Jed Lowry with the RBI single, and then Sean Murphy and Sky Bolt, both with doubles. The A's win 13 to six, the win to Cole Irvin, five innings, uh, seven hits, three earned runs and four Ks. The loss to Taylor Hearn, who only goes two thirds of an inning, two hits, four earned runs, all right next we've got the blue jays and the marlins and the marlins got early production from jesus sanchez who sends a solo piece out of the park in the bottom of the second this score holds until vladdy guerrero is able to score Bo bichette in the top of the sixth and tie the game tied 1-1 in the top of the ninth lordes guriel is able to hit a double. This scores Kevin Biggio and gives Toronto the 2-1 lead, which they hold on to to win at that same score. Give the win to Tim Meza out of the bullpen. Ross Stripling went six innings, allowing two hits, one earned, and seven strikeouts. The loss will go to Yimmy Garcia, 
who, of course, pitched that ninth inning along one earned run. Sandy Alcantara with another eight inning, one earned performance here. He has been on fire lately. I feel like I've, I'm just kind of pulling that out of nowhere. I have no actual stats for oh, that yet. Oh, no. He I, has, I'm not going crazy. No, he he has. And LJ, he was only at 86 pitches, and they don't bring him back out for the ninth. I mean, that is ridiculous. Well, his last – yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. His last three games, uh, June 11th against Atlanta, gets the win on six innings, two earned. Then on the 16th against St. Louis, he gets the loss in a um, – eight and a third inning six hit performance and then today he goes another eight innings with a one earned he is on fire how do you not bring him out for the ninth at 86 pitches like i so well because so yeah, i read the box you know, you're score. right so i was looking at the box score and then i was like all right i'm gonna go see what actual marlin fans think so i went to the 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 miami marlin subreddit and all people were talking about is how does Don Mattingly not bring Sandy Alcantara out when he's holding the Blue Jays offense at bay for eight innings? And LJ, if you look at who he faced in the eighth inning, he faced all the good guys. Yeah. Like yeah. He faced Simeon, Bo Bichette, Vladdy, and Hernandez, or, oh yeah, Tay Oscar Hernandez, right there. Like, for the ninth inning, you're coming out. And you're you're starting the inning off with uh, okay, it's still not oh, it's it's still George Springer. Yeah, George uh, Springer plays. Yeah, it's still George. That, that Springer was that was so quiet. Why was that so quiet? Yelled. Yeah, and why is he hitting fifth? Like uh, I just I don't know. I'll, there's just a bunch of craziness going on <laughs> in that. There's absolute anarchy in this Miami game. Anarchy on the streets of South Florida. Um, anarchy in South Beach, I should say, but yeah, I mean, under most conventional situations, I think that's normally the right move. I mean, he did just give up and earned run the last inning, and you're going to your closer, it's not like you're going to some scrub. However, the issue is your closer hasn't been that great. Like, no, and- don't, get, don't get me wrong, he has picked up more than his fair share of saves he has been a, a find for Miami he has been a very solid piece to this team 286 ERA he is a good pitcher he's just not a closer and has a tendency to just like if he's going to lose a game he's going to just outright lose it. like it's just going to be you know you, you kind of see it coming from a mile away so it's not somebody you like trust with your life. So that I think I do not trust that. I would certainly not trust him uh, in a lot of situations. He's yeah, falling back down to earth after a really not, good start. He's not bad. He's just he not already a, has like six losses. Like that's not like that's that's, that's again. That's I, six I stand, games that you blown. I stand. I stand by the fact he's not bad. But he's not a long term. He's nothing more than at max a seventh inning guy. No, not at all. Well, somewhere a game where it wasn't anarchy was the Giants and the Angels. Uh, the Giants. It was heaven. Yeah. Well, the Giants score all five runs of the game in the first two innings. Uh, they get 
a brand a a Buster Posey ground out Brandon Belt single, and then homers from Wilmer Flores and Mauricio Dubon. The Giants win five nothing behind uh, seven innings of shutout ball and nine Ks from Anthony DeSclafani, who improves to eight and two. Andrew Haney, six innings, 10 hits, five earned runs, and 10 strikeouts to no walks for him. Now four and five. And, uh, yeah, just a couple more games left, and we'll get you guys out of here. Yeah, the Brewers got absolutely embarrassed giving up the streak-breaking loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And we had to see how they respond. And they responded pretty well. Top of the first, Colton Wong goes yard, put them up one nothing. The Brewers score five runs in this game, including Christian Yelich's fourth. You heard me right, fourth. F-O-U-R-T-H, fourth home run of the season. And win this one five to nothing. Give the win to Freddie Peralta, who goes six innings of one hit ball with 10, <laughs> 10 strikeouts. The loss goes to Zach Gallen. He went five innings, allowing three hits, one earned, and eight strikeouts. The Diamondbacks have now lost 18 out of 19 games and have fallen back to earth in such a dramatic fashion, getting two hit by the by the brewers today yeah no it's like 18 it. out of 19 and you could do like pretty much any number out of whatever like 34 out of 35 uh 99 out of 100 games uh yeah no 103 uh, out of 100 freddie peralta spin rate not really down a lot uh horizontal break on his slider was down by four inches today and i guess it didn't matter because uh he threw a one hitter and season era is almost under two which is really scary all right rockies and mariners uh not a lot going on in this one either very low scoring jp crawford uh breaks the scoreless tie in the bottom of the fifth with an RBI single. CJ Crone ties it up with his 10th homer in the top of the seventh, and we're tied at one. Bottom eight, Shed Long Jr. with his second homer of the year breaks the tie. The Mariners take a 2-1 lead, and they go on to win. You can give the win to Paul Sewell out of the Seattle bullpen. Chris Flexen, six and two-thirds, one earned run and six Ks for him. The loss goes to Tyler Kinley out of the Colorado bullpen. I've definitely heard of him before. And the save to uh, to Kendall Graveman, his sixth on the season. Next up, we have the final and perfect segue into what comes next. The Cubs and the Indians. The Cubs scored the first five runs of this game, including... Chris Bryant's 14th home run of the year that if I'm correct broke a pretty long extra base hit drought 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer for Bryant, or at least he had one rather recently included in this game. Wilson Contreras and Patrick Wisdom wisely hit home runs as the Cubs top the Indians 7-1. to one. Patrick yeah. Wisdom hits a homer in every single game. He, he's a walking, he's a walking there. Uh, I mean, this is, in, it, this is incredible what he's doing. He already has tw- how many home, 10 home runs? That's he's okay. Only, he has 10 home runs and he's only at 74 at bats. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I said uh, Kyle Hendricks, six innings, four hits, no earned, five strikeouts. The loss goes to Eli Morgan, who went five innings, allowing four earned runs and nine strikeouts here. And I believe that will wrap things up. Yeah, uh, we will send you guys over to the interview with uh, you know we shouldn't even call it interview just chat we fireside chat fireside chat with tom Matheny, amari mcpherson we covered a bunch of different topics in this one uh they are certainly much like us where they can just get on any sort of tangent about anything and uh it will stick and they 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 certainly talk about that uh so yeah, enjoy our AL Central breakdown with them, and uh, we will see you guys uh, tomorrow. So, yeah, have a good one. See you manana. Welcome back, and we are now here with Tom and Amari from the Rockin' at the Jake podcast, another one of our friends from Belly Up Sports. Tom, Amari, introduce yourselves and tell us how you're doing. What's up, guys? I'm Tom Matheny. Yeah, and I'm uh, Amari McPherson. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. Doing so why don't you guys t- tell us a little bit about your show here? Uh, we cover the Cleveland Indians and really, honestly, whatever tangents we get to uh, any given recording night, we've gone, uh, well, what we've done, uh, Larry Doby, we've talked about. Uh, yeah, we've talked about like Satchel Page. Uh, we've done like Negro League. I mean, you 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 name it. We probably had a, a five to ten minute tangent on it. it. It really can go anywhere. It could go left really quickly. That's brilliant. And another absolute plus to having you guys on the show is we get a little deep dive into how you guys are feeling about our little trivia contest. You guys certainly have been a few of the more active participants in this thing. Things have been heating up for Tom in particular lately. Yeah, I'm just lucky that I'm 
usually awake at three o'clock in the morning when that tweet drops. You guys are bastards for doing that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I had a nice lead and then all of a sudden I see his name creeping up. So now I have to, I have to really be on it so I can stay at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I honestly, part of me, I hope, I hope Batflip didn't quit because I have a feeling that the guy that answers the majority of the questions is the one that's in California. So, yeah, with, well, he should be our, fine if it drops at midnight or if it drops at 3 a.m. Eastern, that's like midnight or 11 o'clock on the West Coast. He should be set. Yeah, <laughs> true. I just, yeah, also, he, they've been MIA. I don't think they even mentioned today's. Wow, just, wow. yeah, I think yeah. we just have do we just have one on today's? Oh, no, yeah, we do just have you today. No, that was another one. Never mind. Um, I digress. We are here to talk about the AL Central, of course, and we might as well start with your boys over in Cleveland. So real quick, what are your overall thoughts on the current state of the Indians? I'm nervous. <laughs> uh, starting pitching, which is supposed to be our strength, they're beat up or in Columbus. Yeah, LJ and I, I what other... Go ahead. I was gonna say, what other what other team do you know that has all three of their top starters on the IL at the same time right now? Yeah, I mean, LJ and I were were talking yeah. about this we yesterday, were- where it was like, now that uh, Aaron Savali left due to whatever kind of finger issue that is, I mean, some of these guys at the back end of the rotation are, you know, it's it's not it's not the greatest. JC Mejia. Sam Pentges, like, you know, these guys are not major league quality pitchers, yet you're still 10 games over 500. You can really repeat that, though. I'm sorry, man. No, you go ahead. I'll follow up with you. You can really attribute that to our offense getting hot at the right time. And some of these guys are just young. They're finding themselves, uh, like Sam Hentges, he put together a phenomenal spring put together an absolutely phenomenal spring and some of these guys have really picked up the slack from like logan allen got sent down to triple a early in the season tristan's been up and down they've really done a good job of picking up the slack and like any team with young pitching you're gonna go through this yeah i mean it's been a weird year overall just because you we know what we have with uh, players like Tristan McKenzie, yet for some reason he's had a consistency issue and uh, he's still young. He's 23 years old, so you can only expect so much out of him right now. But just like Tom said, it's kind of bolstered by the offense right now. Uh, we're 10 games over 500, which you could really attribute to being led by Tito Francona. Um, but we're definitely overachieving when it comes to offense. Um, we're only seven runs, outscoring our opponents by seven runs which is the worst number out of any winning team. Even the Marlins, who are in last place, have a better uh, run differential than we do. So, um, I mean, pitching, it's definitely at a premium right now. uh, We're we're starved for starting pitching, which is something that, as Indians fans, we're not used to seeing or saying because we've been a pitching factory. So right now is definitely the offense. Yeah, moving into this offense, of course, that was a huge concern going into the year, you're getting some production from places you were hoping to. Uh, uh, Eddie Rosario has kind of turned things around lately, if I'm correct. 
Um, but the big one of late, Bobby Bradley, was this something you guys had any clue might be coming this year? Because it filled a huge hole at first base. Although yeah, Bobby Bradley, yeah, Bobby Bradley, it, it's a weird case because uh, we've seen him in the major leagues before, and it obviously didn't pan out, um, which often happens to young players. I mean, he's not a bust. Um, but to come up and be as hot as he was uh, for, what, a week, a week and a half, maybe two weeks, um, I think is surprisingly good, surprisingly, uh, I mean, obviously we'll take it. Um, over the past couple of games, obviously he's come back down a little bit to normal. He just snapped a 0 for 14 streak with a homer yesterday. Um, but his offense, I mean, I feel like regardless of what he does, just because first base has been so bad for us this year, I mean, we traded uh, Jake Bowers, who routinely hit under 200 yet he was our best offensive first baseman and defensive first baseman on the year. Uh, we trade him, we get Bobby Bradley up in just only a couple at-bats. He has more homers than Jake Bowers did this year. Uh, so we'll definitely take it. The thing is that we hope he continues to have that consistency uh, for a 25-year-old uh, coming up from AAA, um, that he'll be, he'll be the first baseman for the next eight to 10 years, hopefully. When you just want to see him cut down on the strikeouts, that was the one thing in that first week where he was on fire. Uh, he was hitting like four something, 440, uh, with one strikeout, a couple walks. That's what you want to see out of him. Last week, not so great. He hit like 192, 193 with 10 strikeouts. That's the Bobby Bradley you had seen before his first week up. So you're just hoping that he just listen take a deep breath you got the job he's not like he's scared of losing his job to Yu Chang Yu Chang has a great look and swing but he just can't catch up to the fastball he's a, reminds me sometimes of Jake Bowers who Bowers just looks the part you look at Jake Bowers and you look at Yu Chang those guys look like what you want a major league baseball player to look like and they just can't catch up to the fastball. And, you know, for Bowers, we wish him the best in Seattle. And for us, we hope that Yu Chang either gets it together or they shoot him back down to Columbus to help fix that hole in his swing. Absolutely. So, I mean, we're talking about a 10 games above 500 team here, which is great. That also puts you guys still well in the wild card conversation right now, halfway through the season. Are there any offensive moves you could see this team making to shore up what they have if so what would it what do you think it would be you jump this one Amari yeah I think for me just off the top of my head I don't have a specific player that I could just pick right now but I think it would have to be outfielder um we've been without Roberto Perez who hit I think 20 or so home runs um his first year as a full starter um, I'm not sure how often you can expect that out of him, but I think as a catcher, you'll take any home runs, and obviously you're going to take his defense. He's not going anywhere. We have Bobby Bradley up at first base. Hopefully he can hold that position. And I think second, short, and third, as long as they play the way they've been playing, they're going to be there. So I think right now it has to be outfielder because you have so many names in the outfield that you can plug in there, but yet nobody's been consistent maybe other than Josh Naylor, and he's only like 22 years old. So he's probably going to be with the team for a while. So I think you, you're hoping somebody like Bradley Zimmer 
uh, in center field or maybe Daniel Johnson or somebody uh, can shore up that position. Maybe we resign Eddie Rosario. Uh, but right now it's looking like the outfield for uh, offensive standpoint. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, center field, you Zimmer is by far and away the best defensive center fielder that we have in the organization. Uh, you're hoping that Daniel Johnson, it, again, if he get, comes back up to the big league club this season, you hope that he cuts down on strikeouts. You know, he puts consistent at-bats together. That's the one thing that's plagued him in his short stints in the majors. Uh, so far, he's been showing some really good pop at AAA Columbus. I think he's up to, what, seven home runs as of today. Um, so hopefully – you know, hopefully he's not too far off. So offensively, not a whole lot. I mean, unless they get really wild and shake things up by bringing like Tyler Freeman up from Akron and trading Cesar Hernandez, which would be wild and bold. But you probably only see something wild like that happening after the all-star break. If all of a sudden the wheels really start to come off and this team is really headed down towards Detroit. Yeah, uh, one thing about this team that I absolutely love and I think makes you guys a pretty entertaining team to watch, at least late in games, is this is this bullpen. And for as much as we talk about Emmanuel Classe and James Karinchak, I mean, there's been other guys in this bullpen this year that have really stepped up. I mean, Nick Sandlin is having a fantastic season. Brian Shaw, who you guys sign as a free agent from Seattle, he steps in and yes, he hasn't had the, the, the greatest last two weeks, but prior to that, he was doing, you know, fairly solid for a guy who's 33 years old and Nick, Nick Whitgren has been good. And when you just have those two at the back end, like Karen Jack and class a it's, it must be really nice to know that, uh, this this bullpen is, has has really been good. Well, Brian Shaw is a name that Indians fans are very very familiar with. Uh, his first stint with the team during the championship run and the years where we won over 100 games, you know, we're familiar with him. And he's a guy who's a total workhorse. Kind of lost it a little bit there towards the end of his first tenure in Cleveland, and really struggled for the couple years he was in Colorado in his season with. Seattle so it's exciting to see him pitching well again yeah uh players like Brian Shaw I mean like Tom said we're familiar with him and his first in here he was pretty good I thought he was all-star worthy some years he leaves he goes to Colorado goes to Seattle gets blown up uh maybe looking like he needs to retire uh we resigned him as a free agent and he's just been even better than he was the first time around um, kind of reminds me of Carlos Santana when we got him uh, 2019 after he left. Um, but yeah, play, players like Brian Shaw, uh, Whitgren, like you said, uh, Class A, Karen Chak, for the first time in, in obviously a long time, the bullpen, you could argue, is better than your starting rotation. And like I said before, it's something that we're not used to as Indians fans. Um, if we can get a lead and we can hold that lead at least until about the fifth inning or so, uh, we're pretty confident that we can at least win the game. If, if, if anything, still be in the game if we give up a couple runs. Um, but it's 
the bullpen has consistently been good, just like we've seen back in 2016 when we made the World Series. Um, the bullpen has been a key part of our game. And, but like I said before, like it's clearly better than the rotation right now. All right, well, let's slide on into another team here in this AL Central. Let's go over to the White Sox. You guys have had some fun games, some not so fun, very not so fun games with way you look at it this is one of the best teams in the american league what makes them so scary carlos rodon (laughs) it's a combination of really they're they're kind of a complete team you you look at uh rodon you look at giolito you look at um man i forget his name he came from houston um keichel um who's having an okay year but better than he normally has. But then even on the offense, you have guys like uh, Tim Anderson. Uh, we have been hit with the injury bug because of players like Eloy Jimenez, um, Luis Robert, who they're both going to be out for a significant amount of time. So we're pretty lucky that, if I'm not mistaken, we're two games behind in the, in the standings right now. If those guys are healthy and our pitching is as bad as it is right now, you're looking at five plus games, if not double digits right now, because those guys are really good. And like I said before, they're a complete team right now. It's also helped us that, you know, Tim Anderson has spent some short stints being hurt. Um, Your mean Mercedes, I think is his name. Mm. Uh, He's kind of come back down to earth after that wild first month of the season. So, So we're lucky that that's happened. I mean, Abreu is someone that you're always afraid of every time he steps into the box because dude has had consistently good power. And that's just kind of a hallmark of a Tony LaRusa team. I mean, I know that LaRusa hasn't been with these guys for very long, but this is something that, you know, any other manager you lose, you know, two of your brightest offensive stars and young guys like that usually – you skid to about 500, you know, it starts to affect your starters and these guys have really held it together really well. So we're very fortunate that we're only two games back right now. Um, I'm going to actually uh, branch off of that with an interesting stat I saw the other day. And that's that Yerman Mercedes is currently hitting 167 since the incident with the home run off the position player and everything that happened with Tony La Russa. You guys have certainly watched a lot of White Sox games this year. How would you overall rate, rate break down Tony LaRusso's overall ability to lead and manage this year? Well, the thing you got to remember about Tony LaRusso is he's an old school manager with a very proven track record. Uh, he's won multiple World Series rings. You, know, you think about he was with the A's when they won the World Series. He won, I believe, one or two with the Cardinals. And he's used to dealing with superstars, and he's used to dealing with issues with guys like that. I mean, he had to deal with Kinseko and McGuire, and a lot of that he was managing the cards during, you know, that fateful 98 summer with the home run chase. You know, he's managed Albert Pujols. He's managed Adam Wainwright, the ageless Adam Wainwright. Uh, So he's used to this. This is a typical 
season for Tony La Russa. So, I mean, that's what, that's what Reinsdorf brought him in to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, for someone like Tony La Russa, um, it's going to be hard for someone to come in and say, hey, can you switch it up a bit? Because as we've seen, the White Sox were losing team last year. Uh, he comes in and they're immediately in first place. Um, whether or not you like his methods uh, with the Yermin Mercedes uh, whole ordeal, um, you, you, can't, you can't disagree with it to a certain, certain extent because it's clear that it's working and it has worked for decades. Um, I mean, I'm not really sure why he decided to come back. Um, I'm not going to tell a guy, uh, you know, we're not going to take you. You've won multiple World Series. Um, you want to come back, we're not going to take you because you're old. Um, but that could be one, I guess, knock against him. Uh, we don't really know how long he'll last, how long he'll manage right now. But for right now, um, I mean, he, he he's doing the thing right now with the White Sox. And it's clear because they're in first place. So uh, hopefully we can catch up to him. Like I said before, with the injury bug, it could be multiple games ahead of us right now. Uh, so we're really lucky. Yeah, the White Sox are certainly one of the most uh, well-rounded well teams in the league, uh, especially their, their starting rotation. When you have a guy like Lance Lynn as, like, your number three starter, and we know how good he's been this year, it just shows how just deep they are. And, you know, they lose those two incredible young players in uh, Eloy Jimenez and in Luis Robert, both outfielders, Yet, like, they're still getting good offensive production. And those are two guys who have potential to have 40 home run seasons in the future. Like, they both have very good power potential. So, to still be up there with your offense and not have two of those guys, is it, it just shows how good this team really is. As for Tony LaRussa, I have been a bit critical of him this year, but it's also, like, why be critical of him when he's going to manage the way that he has his entire life, right? And it it's worked. So, you know, for everyone who can go out there and use whatever kind of analytics about him and say, oh, he, you know, he's, he, he's out of touch. He's short, like he's an old guy, but he knows how to handle personalities. I mean, this is what he's done for his entire life. I mean, he's been a manager since the 1970s so it's he's certainly why you know he, he he was brought in because the White Sox were trying to make a deep playoff run and yeah well like you said it's exactly what Jerry Reinsdorf wanted Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. 
Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. All right, let's go from the White Sox on over to the Twins, who, you know, something we were looking at earlier in this year is they had a couple pieces that kind of looked like they could be the guys that kind of fit in. And like, if these guys really turn it on, this team can go over the past couple of years, those being Jose Barrios and Byron Buxton. But early in the year, both of those guys were turning it all the way up to 10 and this team was going nowhere. So what are your overall thoughts besides those couple heavy hitters on this team? What were your thoughts on how they've looked so far? Well, Buxton just can't stay healthy. Uh, he's amongst the best players in the league when he stays healthy and he's hurt too much. Uh, you're getting exactly what you think you're going to get out of the ageless wonder, Nelson Cruz. Um, but all, all around, it's just kind of been a disappointment, you know. They're just not the team that they were hoping they could be. And you know, some teams win those games, you know, those games where it could go either way. There's one or two moments where it feels like the game is on the line and it just hasn't gone the twins way yet this season. Maybe they start to bring it back and inch it a little close to 500, but so far very disappointing for uh, the Minnesota twins. Yeah. I think with guys like Buxton, um, for, for a while there, he was healthy, and he was looking like the best player in baseball right now. Um, so that, that you've got that going for him. Um, it's unfortunate that he's out right now. Um, with other guys, I mean, it's kind of like, I don't want to say they're throwing things at the wall when they're sticking, but you sign uh, Jorge Polanco. He's been okay for them. Uh, so, no, he's not hitting that well. But you still have guys like Nelson Cruz, who's about to be 40 years old, and he's like leading, almost leading the league in homers and RBI right now. Um, other guys like Josh Donaldson, I mean, they're up and down. Uh, something you expect out of the aging MVP. But for them, it, 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 like I said, it's a combination probably of, of good luck with their hitting and their pitching because they certainly have the names for it. But overall, for a team that just won like 100 games two years ago, uh, for some reason, it's not coming all together for them right now uh, for a combination of age and health. And um, uh, I mean, I don't know. We just see what they're going to do down the stretch right now. Yeah, uh, the Twins, certainly one of the more more disappointing teams of 2021. I mean, a lot of people expected this team to be right up there with the, the White Sox competing for this uh, AL Central title. And the, the, uh, they certainly expected more out of Kenta Maeda. We saw how good he was uh, in 2020, setting the single-season whip record. Uh, and right now, he's right under a 5 ERA. Uh, certainly not good uh, stats for him. Uh, Jose Barrios not pitching terrible, but this is just a team that uh, LJ, I think you saw you saw some stat about their 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 bullpen and inherited runners. They allow more inherited runners to score 
than any other team by like a very large, large margin. This, this bullpen can't come through in the clutch in a high, a leverage situation. And they've lost a lot of extra inning games. They've lost a lot of one run games. And that's uh, why they are 10 games under 500. They just can't get it done when it counts. Yeah, so let's move in real quick to the Kansas City Royals, who started the year incredibly hot. Looked like a couple of these guys were going to have breakout years and carry them to a potential playoff run here. And then they get swept by the Tigers, and it all comes crashing down. Where where would you say the issues of this team sprouted and how early could you guys tell that this was this team wasn't for real? Mondesi. Mondesi is a guy that you need to get going and he has to stay going because Whit Merrifield, as great of a player as he is, and I will sing Merrifield's praises all day long. If Mondesi is not going and some of these other hitters don't get it going, it's just not happening for these guys. Yeah, you ask uh, when do when do we think that uh, it was they weren't for real? For me, it was day one. No matter how you know how of a start they got off to, uh, they just don't have the players. Uh, the players that they have are inexperienced, talented, but inexperienced. You have while I love Carlos Santana, anybody who listens to our podcast, I'm a number one Carlos Santana fan. Have been since day one. It's true. He he he's going down. I mean, and that's just due to his age. I mean. You really can't help it. But for guys like, you know, Whitfield named people that aren't named Whitfield and Mondesi, they just aren't there. You have pitchers, um, you know, a top prospect named like Brady Singer. Um, his ERA is almost five, I believe. Um, and their, their best pitchers are uh, Danny Duffy, who's injured right now, and Kyle Zimmer, who is a relief pitcher, who's also coincidentally the brother of our very own Bradley Zimmer. Uh, so, for those guys, it, that's all they pretty much have right now. Um, older guys like Santana or younger guys that are inexperienced and they're going to get exposed by the major leaguers because of, because of that inexperience. So they just have to get it together. They probably also have to find a better manager. Um, I'm not going to be one on here trying to get a guy fired, but if you want that turnaround and it's clear that they're going through a rebuild and a turnaround right now, you have to find the right pieces at the top and on the field to complete that turnaround. And right now they just don't have. Yeah. Kansas city is always a team where they try to appease their fan base. They never fully try to tank. They try to sign some free agents to stay somewhat competitive. But the problem with that, with that is that they don't have a great farm system. And they also don't have, like you guys are saying the best players out there right now. So it's like, where do you go in the future? Because yes, you can sign free agents, but you're not in the biggest market. And when you're winning like only 70 to 80 games a year with these rosters, it's like at some point you just have to tear it all down, especially when you look at the top of BAL Central, where you have a team like Chicago who is, is willing to spend money and has a very good young core. I mean, that's who you're competing with. So they're, they're in a bit of an identity crisis right now, and we're just going to have to see what they do here uh, for 
potential moves. You know, are they going to sell anyone at the trade deadline or are they going to keep things going? Well, I think you make an excellent point there because you're wasting the best years of the team control that you have on Whit Merrifield. You're wasting it. Yeah, if I could touch on that really quickly, just like you said, they're, they're inconsistent. They have an identity crisis. Once, once that World Series core, when it was clear that they were coming to an end, they still re-signed two of them and then traded Mike Moustakis halfway through that year. Uh, so it's, they have like one foot in, one foot out. Um, obviously, Salvador Perez is still there, and he's still really good, and he's going to be a starter for the American League All-Star team this year. But like I said, other than that, you just don't have the pieces. And they have to figure it out sooner rather than later, whether they want to tear this whole thing down or just keep throwing out mediocre rosters and stealing fans' money and wasting the years, the good years of their young talent. Well, don't be afraid of them or don't give up on them just yet because John Sherman bought the Royals, what was that, a year or two ago? Mm, yeah. Sherman was the money behind the 17 and 18 Cleveland Indians when we went out and spent money on players, John Sherman was the guy who was doing it. He was really trying to build that knowledge base as a minority owner. So it's coming. He's going to figure that out. He's going to get his people to make the moves that he wants. And when that happens, the Kansas city Royals are going to be a very difficult team to contend with. Interesting. And we talked about, you know, identity, and there's a, one team, the last team we have yet to talk about on this team, on this uh, little talk here, that is changing identity as the Detroit Tigers are starting to move into that in-between phase between tanking and competing where your young stars or the guys that should be leading this team are starting to make their slow rise. We see now they've got their three best pitching prospects, three of the top pitching prospects in the league right now in Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal, and Matt Manning are all up in the majors. And granted, Matt Manning's only had one start so far. The other two with their roughs and the rough patches, once things have settled down for them, they have both been very good over this past month-ish, month and a half stretch since they, of course, got a lot of rough outings in the start of the season. So you're starting to see that take shape, at least in my opinion. But I think the issue turns then to this lineup. Do you think that overall with the lineup construction they have and pieces that may or may not be coming forward, that they can make this rebuild successful with just pitching? Because it just doesn't feel to me like they have enough standout position player prospects on the way for them to completely rebuild this into a contending lineup. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. They've never been a team that's been about their farm system as far as their position players are concerned. Um, 
And, and one thing that's really going to help them as much as it really saddens and pains me to say this, getting out from that huge contract that they signed Miguel Cabrera to is going to help them immensely. You're just stuck behind it. It's like watching the end of Kobe in Los Angeles. You know, you saw it happen to Albert Pujols out West with the Angels. These huge contracts, you hope that you get a great return on your investment in the first maybe six years, because once that's over, it's over. And yeah, Miguel Cabrera has had a little bit of a comeback, but he's nothing like the guy who you consistently expected to hit 330 a season. And it's a big reason why I wasn't a proponent of the Indians trying to give a 10 plus year contract to Francisco Lindor. And it's really, really biting Steve Cohen in the balls in New York with the Mets. But once that happens, there's, there's guys in that lineup that are almost there. Uh, I can't think of the kid's name that plays third base for them, but he was a, either a rule five pickup by Detroit, or he was just somebody that our farm system didn't resign. And he's a great young player. It's just, his path was blocked by Jose Ramirez. Oh, uh, is it, is it Willie Castro? Willie Castro. Castro has been fantastic coming up. Uh, he put some really, I think he put one or two really good years in at double A Acme. And they just, there was no room for him. You know, he got stuck behind Nolan Jones in the minors, and he got stuck behind Jose Ramirez at the big league level. Now, kind of just this, this is, again, tailing back to the Indians, but I do want to ask, and I would not blame you if you wanted to say with full confidence, I knew it all along, whatever your actual feelings were originally irrelevant here, grading the Francisco Lindor trade now. Thoughts? Amara, you take this one first. Yeah. Uh, that one, hindsight is always 2020. Um, looking back on it, when it immediately happened, I would probably give it a B to a B minus. Uh, we talked about it months ago and, and weeks before the trade even happened uh, about the guys that maybe we will want in return. And one of those, one of those guys was Ahmed Rosario. And we see how he's turned out this year so far. Um, you get another young guy like Andres Jimenez, who probably needs some more development down in the minor leagues. Um, we won't fully know uh, for a couple more years. But looking at, back on it now, I would probably give it uh, a solid B. Um, I mean, I know Lindor has his, his woes offensively right now, but he's still a really good defensive shortstop. And I believe his offense is going to turn around. Um, and it's going to be at least a portion of that contract that is going to be good. I, I mean, that's baseball for you. They have so much money and they don't have a salary cap. And everybody, every, every time somebody gets signed to a large contract, they're just resetting the market. And the next guy is going to get even more than that last guy. So you can't really blame the amount of money that he got, even though it wasn't the most. Um, but I think he's going to make at least part of that contract worth it. They're going to be at or near the top of the NL East for a couple of years. But as far as the Indians, um, as long as Rosario continues to hit the way that he does, and I think his defense is solid at shortstop, um, I wouldn't be mad if they resigned him. I know it's early, and then you probably have his successor if you move on. 
from him or his uh, middle infield uh, teammate in Jimenez, who could probably start at short or not shortstop, second base. Um, so, it, like I said, it's early, but right now I would give it a B because I'm not mad at either of the guys, how they turned out so far. And I think Lindor is going to turn around, even though I hate the fact that we had to include Carlos Carrasco in the trade. I absolutely hate it. I think nine out of 10 Indians fans would tell you the same thing. I know he hasn't played this year. Uh, and when he came back from leukemia, uh, he looked just as good as he did from before. And he's one of those fan favorites in the city that you, you hate it to see move and you hope that he retired an Indian. And sure, he still could come back and resign as an Indian. Um, but it, it just seemed like a throwaway. Like, what was the point of including him in that? Um, so other than that, I would give the trade probably a solid B. I don't remember what I gave it up at the time. I think I was just happy to see Lindor go. Uh, like Amari said, I kind of wish they hadn't dealt Carrasco, but I also was of the opinion that it was just kind of time to move on from him. And that's really bitten me in the ass uh, in the long run because we could use him. And granted, he's hurt, so it doesn't matter. Um, Ahmed Rosario has had a fantastic month. You know, since he got moved to shortstop full time, uh, Andres Jimenez is actually in the midst of hitting uh, – he's hit seven home runs in eight games all just on an absolutely crazy week-long tear for uh, the AAA Columbus Clippers I've heard nothing but good things uh, out of our uh, minor league source uh, Indians perspective about Josh Wolf uh, the young starter that we got in that deal uh, he's really been tearing it up at low a Lynchburg in what used to be the Carolina league. Now I don't know what the divisions are anymore. I was so used to, you know, the international league and the Eastern league and the Carolinas and all that. Uh, he's been doing good. The one piece out of that, that I haven't really heard much about has been Isaiah green, the young outfielder who was the fourth piece in that trade. So at this point, I'm, I'm going to stick with Amari. We're going to give it a B, you know, to, only because Lindor jumped on the trajectory train, you know, about, oh, you got to have a certain, you know, swing plane that's going to get you so much flight on your ball. Mike Trout's starting to flatten out his swing. Mike Trout was one of the guys who did that. And Trout's starting to flatten out his swing. Uh, so if someone could talk Lindor into doing that and tell him, hey, it's okay to hit more doubles than home runs because you're fast. Hit doubles, hit the ball on the ground, hit it through the hole, hit it the other way against the shift. These guys, you know, he could benefit from that, but it's not going to be this season. Yeah, again, I mean, you've certainly picked what has felt like the more productive or consistently productive star to keep around. Granted, you haven't had to dish out money to Jose Ramirez, but looking looking back again, hindsight's 2020, but even before that, I think I would have rathered have Jose Ramirez a lot round long-term if you had, if you were forced to gun to your head to put, give money to somebody, it would have been him over Lindor. But see, I've kind of been in that camp all along. It's not that I didn't like Lindor. It was just that I didn't like 
it, it all goes back to Major League and Lou Brown yelling at Willie Mays Hayes about hitting the ball in the air. As fast as you are, hit the ball on the ground. All right, Brandon, do yeah, you have I think for else? me, I, I would – no, so I was just going to piggyback off of Tom. I was just going to say, I think – for me, I would, I would have to agree as well. Um, I, when it comes to Jose Ramirez, even when he struggled, you knew that he would kind of turn it around and he was the more consistent star. I think either way, you can't really go wrong with either one. And, of course, you would love to have them both. But uh, Jose Ramirez, I think – I don't want to say he was more of a fan favorite because Lindor definitely had love in Cleveland. But as far as the more consistent star and probably the more versatile star defensively um, and consistently but from both sides of the plate because they're both switch hitters. Um, yeah, I think we made the right decision in Jose Ramirez. All right, Brendan, do you have anything else to add to this before we say thank you and wrap on up? No, uh, I think we're good, uh, guys. This was great uh, being able to run through the entire AL Central. Uh, make sure that you check them out, the Rockin' at the Jake podcast. Uh, yeah, Tom and Amari, if you guys want to plug that, uh, you know, feel free. You yeah, first. so our, our, our podcast is uh, Rockin' at the Jake. Obviously, that's a throwback to uh, what is now known as Progressive Field, affectionately, affectionately known as Jacobs Field or the Jake. Uh, so some tribute to that. Um, yeah, we, we talk Indians baseball, like you said. We get on tangents. Uh, we have trivia. We do uh, our Indian of the Week. We do a lot of things. We love questions from our listeners and our followers. Uh, you can follow us on our Twitter account at Rockin' Jake Pod. Um, and we definitely both try to tweet from there uh, as much as we can throughout the week. Um, so, yeah, come follow us and talk Indians baseball. If you're on Belly Up Sports Network and you need Cleveland Indians, come talk to us. We're always happy to hop on and talk to you guys. We'll give you the best of all we got. And if we don't got it, we probably know somebody who does. Uh, so thank you guys so much for having us on. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys again here on MLB Daily. Definitely. We, of course, always love getting to talk to you guys. Uh, you've always been so much fun to hang out with, have great baseball conversation. So thank you again for coming on. Make sure you go support them. Go support all of our other friends on Belly Up Sports, too. We'd be remiss to not mention every single one of these people that all make such a great product go. But I think it is about time to say goodbye to you guys. Once again, thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the invite. See you guys later. See you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When I deployed, I didn't realize that even the air I was breathing was dangerous. Since coming home, I've watched friends get sick and struggle to get the support they deserve. But now, that's finally changing. 
We're eligible for new VA health care and benefits based on when and where we served. Even though I feel okay, I'm going to apply for my sake and for my family. Learn more and apply today. Visit va.gov slash PACT.